0: RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist and you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to the latest version of Speak of the Devils, our weekly podcast presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Once again joined by Sam Kasan of our Devils Content Department. Sam, good to spend time with you again.
1: Manny, always great to be with you.
0: One of the things that our fans love is not just items about the New Jersey Devils, but also items about prospects, items about what goes into making the New Jersey Devils the New Jersey Devils. And recently it was announced that there'll be a new affiliation in the American Hockey League. The Utica Comets have come on board, and we've got a great guest tonight who's got time in the NHL to speak about, but also has a very important role with the Devils' new affiliation.
1: Yeah, Robert Esch, obviously the president of Utica, he's really coming full circle in his life. He talked to us about growing up in the Utica area. And the reason he wanted to play hockey was watching the Utica devils. When he was 12 years old, he went to games with his dad, finally convinced his dad to let him play, let him be a goaltender. Obviously he'll go more in depth in this a little bit, but here he is three decades later and he's bringing the devils back to Utica. So it's crazy how life sometimes comes full circle in that regard. And just speaking with him briefly, uh, you can see that he's really got things Hammered out in Utica, they've got a great program there. They've really built it up. He talked about the fan base selling out every year for the last seven. So a, a great future lies ahead, and I think they've got the right guy in the situation. Like I said, I love the fact that you can has all these Devils tie-ins throughout his career to, to bring this back full. You know, and like I said, it's come basically 360 degrees for him from Utica, watching the Utica Devils, and now bringing the Devils back to Utica. And on that note, then
0: let's bring in our new guest, our guest who is now part of the Devils family, Robert Esch from the Utica Comets. And a big New Jersey Devils welcome to Rob Esch, the president of the Utica Comets, as Utica has now come into the fold, so to speak. Rob, Matt Laughlin and Sam Kassan, thanks very much for joining us. How you been? Been great. Been very good. So can you tell us how this whole process began from Vancouver exploring options to move closer to their home base to the Devils signing an agreement with Utica?
2: Yeah, so uh, what happened, you know, eight years ago, we started up with Vancouver. um, You know, it wasn't a matter of if they were going to be moving back west. It was a matter of when. Um, And through the last eight years, we've actually helped them explore some options out west uh, for the business side. And um, they had an option in their uh, agreement on December 31st. They chose to exercise that option, um, which kind of opened up our building. Uh, Our company operates the building, the concessions, and it uh, runs the business operations as a third party operator uh, for the Vancouver Canucks or another AHL partner. So in that process, uh, as we closed in towards the spring board of governors, uh, New Jersey became available and um, we spoke uh, about a week or two weeks before. Uh, so it was definitely nerve wracking leading up to it uh, because our city's, you know, it's very popular in our city. It uh, instills a lot of civic pride, uh, the Utica Comets. So. It's definitely
0: nerve-wracking, that's for sure. I would imagine so, because there is a civic responsibility that building brings in through, whether it's hockey or entertainment, brings in a significant amount of revenue. It gives the residents of Utica and the county something to do and and to enjoy their downtime, although it was very limited in the last year, but we're coming out of that. At any rate, I, I imagine you felt that burden, too, not just from a business side, from, but considering you're from that area, the civic side as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, for for us, it was, we kind of galvanized the community and it, and it became bigger than a sport, um, you know, and our mission statement actually is our company, Mohawk Valley Garden, was to change the area, you know, through the sport that uh, we love. And it kind of was a catalyst for a lot of development, a lot of uh, businesses organically started to sprout up. Um, And the irony of all of it is the first time that we had the Utica Devils from 87 to 93, the city was not in a good spot. We lost uh, uh, a couple of GE plants, uh, Lockheed Martin, the Griffiths Air Force Base um, under uh, the relocation process shut down. Um, And it just wasn't a good time for our city back then. Uh, now we have over a $2 billion investment in a county that only has 230,000 people. We have a manufacturing plant, Cree, uh, that opens this fall. Uh, we have a brand new hospital literally across the street from Adirondack Bank Center, uh, which is a $600 million investment. And then we're in the process of a, uh, another uh, state-infused capital project, uh, Nexus, which is three sheets of ice that can convert over to uh, fields for box soccer and box lacrosse that is attached to the odd. So all in all, you know, the the one thing that's always been the mainstay to your point has been the,
1: you know, the Utica
2: Comets we've sold out since year two. And it really is, uh, you know, it's, it's still upstate New York in those uh, December, January, February or March days, you know, so it gives somebody, you know, it gives a lot of us something to do. And, it's been excellent.
1: You're from the Whitesboro area, so you're, you were pretty close. It's almost like a hometown thing for you, right?
2: Yeah, I'm from Whitesboro. It's a suburb of Utica. Um, I, I grew up here, and I moved away to play hockey when I was uh, a junior in high school, uh, one year in Canada, and then one year in Detroit uh, in the OHL, um, or a couple of years in Detroit, rather, in the OHL. Then I went on to play uh, in the American Hockey League and NHL, And then when I retired, uh, um, I came back here and I started up, you know, uh, the process of getting a team here, infusing some capital into the building. And, and really it's always hit home to me. It's always been something that I've wanted to do. Even when I played, uh, I used to talk about bringing an AHL team back.
1: What, uh, does it make it all the more meaningful to you being your home area? And I assume you still have some family in the region too.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, when we started off eight years ago, I, every single one of the season ticket holders, I I, I knew uh, for the most <laughs> part. Uh, so it was, it's always, you know, hit a, a very genuine chord for me. And, and and in doing so, we wanted to be as close to an NHL team as possible, the way that we operated, um, our social media, you know, the fan experience, the social experience that you know, you take on when you come to the odd and, and we've really been able to, you know, put a great business team together to do that over the eight years. But, you know, to your point, it it's always something that's been very passionate uh, for me, but also our staff as well. We have uh, probably half of our staff is local, you know, born and raised in the area. Um, and it, it really is a focal point for the whole community. So. You know, those four months or so, uh, you know, when Vancouver kind of made up their minds to move out west, you know, there's a, a ton of sleepless nights, I can tell you that.
1: Lynn, on that note, how happy are you just to put that all behind you and, and get this deal done and be able to look forward and start building that? I know that the 10 year plan is what everyone was talking about, but how nice is it to kind of have that relief for the community as well?
2: Well, it was good. That happened on May 6th, the Board of Governors call. And I uh, actually, uh, I went out on May 7th. <laughs> I went out uh, west, uh, kind of unwind and relax uh, for two days, three days, actually. But, you know, it was really, uh, like I said, it was nerve wracking. We were able to keep it under wraps. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people didn't know uh, exactly where things were, were at. I mean, the one great thing that we had was a fan base Uh, where there was other teams that were interested. So I had a feeling something was possibly going to go our direction. Um, And then the ability to kind of reacquaint ourselves with the New Jersey Devils, they were very successful while they were here. You know, again, the city might not have been in in greatest shape as it is today. Um, But in saying that, you know, to be able to align ourselves with the New Jersey Devils, and there's a familiarity there that really – really has been great for the fans Uh, we've had a lot of positive responses uh, overwhelming actually uh, just on that synergy that lies between the new jersey market and the utica market
0: why is it or is it important that there'd be a relationship with an eastern team i mean you had vancouver there and we know from their standpoint any team standpoint getting players in and out quickly. You want to be able to bring somebody up in case of an injury, et cetera, et cetera. And COVID and border things made it more difficult for any Canadian team to do that. But what is it about having a team locally that makes it a little better?
2: Well, you just addressed a few of them. You know, the proximity of your parent club is always a bonus. Uh, you know, you can have a pregame skate in Utica and something happens down in New Jersey and you could call somebody up right away, but it allows you know, it allows uh, that proximity to keep your players playing in the AHL if they're not quite ready, and in a last minute if they got to get called up. You know, at least they're training and and gaining more ice time there. I think that that in and of itself is a is a, a huge plus. Um, and with saying that, obviously, you know our fans are are terrific. They genuinely are. They tracked all the players as they went up to Vancouver. But those Vancouver games, as you know, are, are on later at night. Uh, and for kids and things of that nature to follow their their local idols that play in the American Hockey League and to be able to follow them up to the NHL is, was a little difficult. Uh, with this relationship, you know, we're going to be able to track all the players and follow them, at, you know, um, you know whether it's the afternoon games on Saturdays, and Sundays, or 7 o'clock game during the weekdays. You know, it, it really gives them a chance to really embrace – Uh, their path to becoming an NHL player. I think a little more over, selfishly from my side, you know, the New Jersey Devils have a a terrific business operations and we're genuinely, you know, looking forward to the ability to have that experience kind of filter into our business operations. Um, Whenever you can align those types of synergies, you know, we're just going to have a better result at the end of the day and we're going to be up to date on uh, trends and and fan interactions and things that maybe not necessarily always have the resources to do in the American Hockey League. Uh, But, you know, just in the short time with New Jersey, I've been working uh, with a few of the staff there and it's just, it's terrific. It's a a huge plus as uh, all of our business staff grow in their experience level.
0: I didn't realize that there was that kind of exchange of information, but that's good to hear. And you can only benefit from it. And I'm sure there are a few things that you've done that the devils go. "Hmm, We didn't look at it that way. Why is Utica a successful franchise? What makes the building, the area? I think you've touched upon it, but why, why have you been able to sell out for eight straight years? So uh second year.
2: Yeah, so yeah, uh, we've sold out for seven years. We've been in the league for eight. Uh, we sold out every game since year two. Um, but in saying to, to get to your point, um, the Eastern Hockey League, the Clinton Comets started back up in the '50s, um, and it was a bunch. Of, it was amazing hockey. The Clinton Comets were a staple of our community, and it really created a. A uh, strong hockey hop that punches way above its weight class. And I think, you know, over the, you know, 70 plus years here, you know, there's always been, you know, some sort of passionate corn that's been struck with the Clinton Comets. Um, and when the Utica Comets started up, I called the players. Uh, a lot of those players remained in the community, they were transplants from Canada. And they started up youth hockey. They started up high school hockey. They coached. Um, all of them were my coaches at some point, the ones that live locally that are still alive. Um, we have bronze statues of them outside. I mean, it's really kind of amazing. But I called them up the night before, or uh, not the night before, but when I was thinking about calling the team, the Utica Comets, to see if uh, I could get their permission and if they would be okay with it. And obviously, they were all ecstatic. Uh, you know, some of them had tears in their eyes. They, they just really felt like it was a brand that resonated with our uh, community. And so as we, as we moved forward, uh, it was very much so a natural fit with our fan base. The chance, uh, came back, uh, from the Clinton Comets days. Uh, they've become ambassadors of our team. They come to every single game. And, you know, it, it just really is amazing. And it's synonymous with class and loyalty integrity and, and, uh, legacy. And I think when you start using and throwing those words around, they're not thrown around lightly. Those, those gentlemen have done a terrific job of being ambassadors for the sport, even when the Utica Comets didn't exist, when there was no hockey.
1: Turning gears, uh, Obviously, the Devils have a very famous Chico on their <laughs> broadcast team. <laughs> and uh, yep. looking at it, uh, obviously, you got the the nickname Chico based on that, based on the stick, the R-ash written on your stick. Do you remember who, or it was a player, a coach, who gave you that nickname?
2: Yeah, I can never forget. It was uh, Keith kachuk Big Walt gave me the nickname. He was... Um, He's making fun of me. When did, when did Chico come out of retirement when he saw my stick? It, it was before I ever met him. And we were in training camp together. And uh, as, as Keith uh, Kachuk can only do, he made that name stick. <laughs> and then I was fortunate enough to meet the real Chico Rush uh, shortly thereafter when we went to New Jersey. And obviously, you talk about class and integrity and just a, a great human being. Uh, it's an honor to to share a, a nickname with somebody with the likes of him.
1: Well, we're glad to have the two Chicos on the uh, on the crew now. <laughs> uh, but actually, speaking of the initial Chico, we did a podcast with him. And something he was talking to me about, you're a goaltender, he's a goaltender, I played the position. And one thing he said to me was, you know, people that play goal, it's almost a calling to them. You know, it's, they just don't want to do any other position. It's just it's in their blood. It's in their you know, DNA that they have to play this position. And because we were talking about how each of us got started and both of us just always wanted to be goalies. So how did you get started and why did you pick the goalie position?
2: Well, I, you know, and it kind of falls in line with New Jersey. Uh, But uh, so I played football, baseball, basketball. Um, I didn't start playing hockey till I was 12 years old. I was born in 78. Uh, So in 1990 is when I actually started. But it was because of the Utica Devils. Uh, So in 1987, when they first came here, uh, we would go to, my father took me to all the games they could that didn't interfere with the other sports that I played. Uh, And I really just loved the Utica Devils. I mean, it was the only thing that I wanted to do. Um, And we didn't really know how to get into hockey. And I was very busy with other sports. So two years later, he called me up and asked if I wanted to play. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So he signed me up. Uh, oddly enough my coach would not let me go uh, into the net until I learned how to skate (laughs) uh, which was frustrating because I only wanted to play goalie was before Marty Brodeur came and it was uh, Chris Terreri was my idol Um, and you know obviously watching Marty play when I was playing was in and of itself amazing how acrobatic and athletic he was but uh, by the end of the season, I got to get in goal in youth hockey, and uh, I never looked back. I never really thought that, uh, you know, I never really looked too far into the future. I just kind of enjoyed the fact that I was playing the position, and uh, and I just loved it. I, I I really did.
1: It's kind of a unique thing. Then the the Devils kind of coming full circle with you growing up watching them, and now bringing the team back to Utica. Everything seems to be coming full circle here.
2: Yeah, it does. Uh, And I think, you know, the the Utica Devils, I'm sure, you know, with working with New Jersey's, um, you know, business team, I'm sure we're going to have some fun, unique ways of resurrecting that brand within uh, the Utica Comets and expanding the Devils fan base into our area. So uh, I really am looking forward to it. A lot of those guys uh, through the years I've bumped across, whether it was Chris Terreri or, you know, I got to meet Marty Brodeur a few times to play against them, but the paul isabarts jamie huscrofts i mean billy Garens, eric weinrich i mean it was just it was an honor to play with eric weinrich in philly he's just one of, another one of those guys with just all sorts of class and integrity Yeah,
0: you know, those names bring back a lot of memories especially from some of the relatively early years for the devils and so uh yeah the connections do run deep that's for sure by the way you share something else with Chico. And Sam, I don't know if you had the same experience, but Chico did not know how to skate when he first played in goal. Now, what happened was he was playing in an outdoor rank and the guy who was running the rec show said, Hey, uh, you, you want to play? Yeah, but I can't skate. Okay. And he let him play goal, but he said, you have to learn to skate by next year. I can't put you in there if you don't know how to skate, but Chico didn't know how to skate either. Never mind play uh, play the, the position, but he just was attracted to it, but he had to learn to skate after he actually put the gear on. Very interesting.
2: That is interesting. I mean, it's funny because the position itself, you know, like the guys move so fast and they're so powerful and they develop those muscles year over year as, as forwards and defensemen. But the amount of footwork that you need to be a goalie, you know, like the push and stops, the edge work, the – you know, tight in and around the crease movement is is really it was probably the greatest thing my coach ever did was force me out to learn how to skate first.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and from Chico's standpoint, I think it was just he wanted to play, they needed somebody and why not. But yeah, he didn't know how to skate that first year. But you know, kudos first off to to your coaches who said, Listen, you need to learn this skill. And also to to Chico's recreation director, coach back then, who was just hoping that kids could play the sport. And listen. Let's go. I'm here for the I'm here for the community. So if you want to play, we'll make it work. Didn't get stuck up on anything stupid like, well, you don't have skates on. So how can you even play? Yeah, get in there. We'll figure it out. But you better learn by next year, which he did. So the rest, as they say, is history. the rest, as they say, is history. So when does everything really start up uh, for you guys? I mean, I'm sure there's not much of a break, but, you know, what are the natural progressions as we make our way, Rob, to the start of the season?
2: Well, I think for us, you know, we're appreciating the time that we have left with Vancouver. I think that's uh, very important. we uh, very seldom do these situations end on good terms. And, I mean, I don't think Vancouver and us could have stronger terms. You know, like we just, we really embrace the eight years, uh, both of us collectively. And so we finished the season off this Sunday. Um, and then uh, after that, it's, it's on to... You know, rebranding our social uh, platforms, uh, getting in, uh, getting jerseys ordered, kind of getting that stuff situated. And then there's a, you know, period of planning, you know, what type of theme nights are you doing? How are you connecting with uh, the New Jersey Devils? And uh, our schedule should be coming out pretty soon. So that's always a fun period to brainstorm new ways to uh, keep our fans enthused. Um, we have our date set of October 17th of 2021 as our first home opener, uh, at the odd at Adirondack bank center. And it's, uh, sympathetic to us because 34 years ago to that day, uh, was the first time the Utica devils took to the ice in 1987. So, uh, we're definitely going to draw a lot of parallels to it. Um, and I, and I think that, uh, embracing it is, is something that the whole community is looking forward to.
0: What memories do you have as we move from the AHL to the NHL, eight years in the league? What stands out for you, Rob? What, what are some of the things?
2: Well, there's a few. Uh, you know, I guess the, the night that we set the NHL record for penalty minutes in Philadelphia, that was, that was an experience. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, we had an amazing run in 2004 uh, we had a, a terrific team you know my job was kind of pretty simple just don't screw up because <laughs> our all the other players were so amazing from you know whether it was mark recy or whether it was you know John leclair or jeremy Roenick. I mean it was just a very very deep lineup um, and the for, after the first two rounds we got decimated on the back end defensively and It really was a a challenge getting, you know, we weren't able to ultimately get past Tampa Bay in the conference finals. We lost in game seven. I think it was like 2-1 or 3-1. I can't remember exactly, but that was an amazing run. Uh, I had the the good fortune to represent the country for the Olympics uh, and the World Cup. The World Cup was just an amazing experience uh, all around when you're playing with, you know, Keith Kachuk again and Jeremy Yaronix and Chris Chelios, Brian Leach, I mean, it was just—it was an amazing, amazing uh, experience. Scott Gomez was with me, so those are the—I think the three that probably stand out the most.
1: And at the uh, 2000 World Championships, you mentioned—I read an article from you—and you said one of your favorite memories was shutting out Russia in Russia. Do you—what do you remember about that game?
2: Well, I remember—you know—I—I was intimidated, to be honest, when I went to Russia. You know, as an American, you don't know what to think. You hear a lot of funky stuff and so we were over there and before the games they had these big uh rottweilers and german shepherds that came in you know sniffing for uh bombs in the locker rooms and you know you're getting ready for the game it's just very awkward and surreal um and they had a loaded loaded team uh they opened up in st petersburg they opened that building up um, in st petersburg uh with that event and it was just it was an amazing game. Uh, and I really hadn't made it, uh, into the NHL yet. You know, I was kind of on the cusp there and I was kind of an unspoken, um, you know, rising NHL player at that time. And it really, you know, it galvanized my, my confidence. If you want the truth, it was just a, it was an onslaught by the team and for whatever reason, I had a lot of good luck in the game uh, too. So I don't want to, I don't want to take all the credit. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, winning that game with Lou Vero is, it was just amazing. And he told me the night before I was sitting there, Eric Weirich was with us, but I was sitting there having a few beers and I think I had a hamburger or something. He, he asked me what, what my thought about Russia was. and I go, ah, I don't know. There are a lot of individuals. I could see our, us beating it, uh, beating them. And I definitely didn't think he was going to put me in the net. <laughs> you know? so I, was just, I was kind of talking cocky and then he goes, Oh, that's good. You're starting tomorrow. And I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, my face went white. I went right to my room and I just started focusing from that point on. And uh, oh, that's great. it was amazing. It was an amazing tournament.
0: That's tour.
1: great. That's awesome. And what about representing uh, the United States of America? It's crazy that you didn't start playing the sport until 12. You were 12 years old. and Then a couple of years later, you're representing the entire country on the international platform. What was it like to, to represent Team USA?
2: I've always had a, uh, I represent the country nine times, the world juniors, world championships, world cup, and and the Olympics. And for me, when you put that jersey on, there's just something very, very, very special. Uh, Every game that you put it on, you have a lot of different thoughts going in your head. You know, you think of, you know, wars, you think of, you know, some of the Critical things that we've overcome in this country. You think about relatives who have represented you in wars. Uh, I had a Purple Heart uh, grandfather. He's since passed, but, you know, and a lot of my older relatives represented us uh, in World War II. Um, And my brother, who is a Marine, it just just has a different feeling. It's very special, and it doesn't matter where you are in the world, Uh, you just have that ability to draw all these connections with Americans. Um, and it, it's always been a special feeling to me to be part of uh, USA Hockey.
0: And to have done it nine times is incredible. Uh, our, our producer, Blaine Sayers, just sent me a note and said, Gomez Chelios, Kachuk, Ronick in the same locker room. What a show that must have been. I'm sure the stories are pretty incredible. We could do like, what, two or three podcasts on that alone, Rob?
2: Uh, yeah, me and Gomer were roommates. You were doing a week long on, on that, but we had a, we had an unbelievable time. We really did. I got to meet Kid Rock. Uh, Chris Chelios took, uh, took a group of group of us up in a, a private plane. We were just training at the time, uh, a couple of weeks prior to the actual event, but jumped out a plane and headed up to, uh, Detroit. And we got to see him up in Clarkson, Michigan, perform. And it was just, then we had to get back the next day for practice. So <laughs> 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 it was a lot of fun, though. A lot of great memories.
0: Well, you know, Chelly at that point uh, had some dough and could take care of some others. Or the others did too. Gomer, not maybe so much at that point. But at any rate, uh, just a great story. And yeah, what, what a cast of characters. But great players as well. Let's not forget that, what they have accomplished in the sport. And those type of players don't quite exist. On the talent side, yes. On the personality side, not so much. It seems we've kind of excised that out of our game. But uh, that's a story for another show. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we've taken whatever a half hour or more as you've been driving out to Ohio. Your son, uh, with a tryout, uh, as the sport continues to be a huge part of your life, both, uh, on the ice, obviously with your son and off the ice with what you do with the Utica Comets. Thanks so much and good luck to your son. And we look forward to the relationship blooming with the New Jersey Devils and the Utica Comets.
1: Thank you so much. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, but one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed
0: to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at pseg.com slash gas safety. You know, there there is several, several episodes of a podcast. That we would be able to get from Rob talking about some of those teammates he had. I can only imagine the game has changed a lot. Some fun <laughs> stories with the Chelioses and the Gomez's and the Ronix, et cetera.
1: Yeah, we'll have to get him out with, uh, with a couple beers maybe when we go to Utica <laughs> for some of those Devils games uh, or Utica comments games, but see those HL games, maybe uh, have him tell us a few stories that we obviously can't put on a podcast as well. And it sounds to me like the Devils players who will be putting on that Utica
0: Comet uniform in the start of the 21-22 season are in for an incredible experience. I mean, seven years of consecutive sellouts, a passionate fan base with a great history in hockey, it sounds like an ideal location. As Rob said to me in a radio interview we did, you go from hometown to small town and then hopefully to the big town at some point. But that
1: small-town experience with a passionate fan base is going to be just awesome. Yeah, playing in front of a sold-out crowd. you know Nothing gets a player going than the energy in a crowd, and obviously Utica with the passion in that fan base and the way they come out for their team and love their team. And he even talked about how some of these younger, younger kids in the area really cling on to some of these guys as their idols and follow their careers. And now, instead of having those guys being in Vancouver where they can't really see them, now they can drive a couple hours down to New Jersey and watch their heroes in the National Hockey League. And so I think that goes a long way, even in the future, just growing the fan base, which is already huge in Utica. And maybe
0: someday there'll
1: be a game where our father will bring his son
0: to watch the Utica Comets and the son will be turned on to the sport and say, that guy out there really looks interesting, and he becomes another player from the area to pursue a hockey dream and make it to the National Hockey League, as Rob Esh did. Uh, thanks to him for his time. He's a busy man, but uh, it looks like the Devils and certainly feels like the Devils are in great hands with the Utica Comets. Sam, so, that'll wrap things up. Enjoy your time the rest of this week.
1: Thanks, man. You too. Enjoy some time off. Get some sun, as you say.
0: (laughs) And that'll do it for this edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by R.W.J. Barnabas Health, the official healthcare provider of the New Jersey Devils. For Sam Kassan, I'm Matt Lachlan. Special thanks to our producer, as always, Blake Sayers. Thank you for your uh, participation uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. We do appreciate your company. Until the next time, be safe, be well. So long, everyone.